0: You get into business, you're excited, and it's great. You're going to do great. And I, I love the entrepreneurs. That's why I love this space because it's energy and people are like excited about new business opportunities and going out there and generating their, and creating their own world, right? But the problem is, is that a lot of attorneys make it intimidating because they don't, they don't talk your language, right? They, they try to just use legal jargon that you may not understand. Don't let that trip you up.
1: My name's Rudy Moore, host of Living the Red Life podcast, and I'm here to change the way you see your life in your earpiece every single week. If you're ready to start living the red life, ditch the blue pill, take the red pill, join me in Wonderland and change your life. Guys, welcome back to another episode of Living the Red Life. We have a special guest today, my in-house main attorney, Greg, who uh, has a law firm, but he's become a big part of my business um, in terms of navigating the law, staying protected, understanding uh, how to obviously uh, run a business and 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 all the right things that you have to learn when you grow a big business. I like many of you listening today started as an entrepreneur. Uh, hired my first contractor for five dollars an hour on Upwork, and now I have you know around a hundred staff. So a lot of learning through that, a lot of deal structures, uh, clients, disputes, all those things that you get as you grow. And uh, Greg, for the last few years, has been a big part of helping me navigate those things. So Greg, welcome. Thanks for uh, coming on today.
0: No, I appreciate you, Rudy. I'm happy to answer any questions and get any counsel that can help any uh, entrepreneurs out there be successful in their businesses. Great. And, and,
1: you know, I just so you guys have a backstory, I got connected uh, to Greg through some of the biggest entrepreneurs in this space, some of the, the top, top people that you will follow. Um, he was kind of behind the scenes working, although we can't name names, but on uh, a lot of their legal side and still does. Um, So I really, you know, and I do use law firms. I still have a law firm I do some specialized stuff with. But um, having someone that understands this industry and understands what you do is so, so important. And I'm sure we'll speak a little more about that. Um, But Greg, maybe just give a one minute overview of your background and how you ended up dealing with all of those crazy entrepreneurs.
0: So uh, 20 years ago, graduated from law school, went clerk for the Nevada Supreme Court um, for a year and then out of that, uh, I started representing marketing and advertising companies. Um, just kind of fell into it, and I've been dealing with regulatory and contractual and business issues ever since. So, um, really honed into the self improvement, uh, self education, uh, you know, online space. So there's not an area of marketing practices that I'm not familiar with. Uh, and and yeah, I obviously started with you
1: more just on the. FTC side right so like understand advertising guidelines um, and marketers in general are probably some of the most guilty in that because as a marketer you get taught in your early days to uh, you know write good copy and make all these wow claims and big promises and then you learn over time how to do that in a way that you know well most people don't but I mean you know something that we as a company are focused on and our staff is doing that in an, you know in an ethical, legal, correct way that sets good expectations and isn't like most marketing firms where or marketers or copywriters where it's just outrageous, right? So obviously we started there and we'll talk about that today. Um, and then you know I would love to talk too about just all the other sides of business and navigating law and business. So what would you say you know going into this for entrepreneurs listening, they have a couple of employees or assistants, they're starting out maybe 10, 20 employees. They don't really use an attorney, maybe occasionally just for contract stuff. What are the biggest things you see with entrepreneurs like me as we grow that they get into situations that they could avoid if they were proactive?
0: Having the basic foundational principles in place so they have a good foundation to start on um, is really essential. And I find that a lot of entrepreneurs will get too quick for themselves since they won't have a good base. So when I say a good base, what am I talking about? Well, making sure you understand the type of industry you're engaged in. If there are some particular rules or anyone says that you hire somebody briefly, doesn't have to be forever, that understands those so you can set yourself correct. Make sure, the other thing I see is making sure you've got the right for, foundation for your business structure. You've got a business set up. You're not just doing it as a sole practitioner out there doing business online and taking a ton of risk. So, I always start foundation. Do you have a business? What are you doing? Do you own that business yourself? Do you have a parent or holding company? Do you have a setup? Are your employees? Do you have contractors? Do you have the employment agreements, contractor agreements? Do you have an employee manual? Just the basic things that a lot of entrepreneurs say they dive into it, they shotgun it a little bit, they don't have that foundation, and then it gets them into a mess. And then the, the best advice I can give to anybody out there, have integrity in your marketing practices. If you're saying, this is what I offer, then fulfill them. Don't don't sell something you're not willing to provide. A good, happy client is a client that you can have forever. And it's the most uh, expense that most businesses have is acquisition of clients. And so if you go in there and burn insuring a client, and then you've spent so much money obtaining them, then that doesn't help you monetize on your business. And it creates other issues like, you know, demands and lawsuits and so forth. And that just distracts you. So if you can avoid the distractions, have good contracts with employees and contractors and clients, you fulfill on the service you're doing, you're going to be, you're going to get be in a good place. Yep. And I remember, you know, my first few years, you like
1: realize all the laws and all the things that go into really running a big business. Like, you know, you start with a couple of contractors or maybe an agency and people are not at work and you have this basic agreement. And then, you know, once I think you get past a couple of million and you go into 10 million and then you get there, you have a lot more, right? You have all your asset protection, you have all your entity structure, you have all your tax side, you have all your employment side, you have all your agreements set up, you have, you know, so many things. And it seems overwhelming. And I remember a few times like as I was really getting into it, I was like, wow, there's so much legal here. Like, is this what I even want to do? Like, is this for me? Like, do I want to deal with all this? It's scary. Um, and, and obviously, because I have such big goals, I've always pushed through that. But they, they've been mindset things for me that I've had to work through. And then it's like, hindsight's hindsight. Like, I look back now and you kind of laugh, right? Because the things that were so scary four years ago, you kind of start dealing with them every week or month. And then they become like, uh, just like, yeah, whatever, right? And you see that, I'm sure you've seen, you know, my, I guess, development or growth on a legal side from where, when we first started, all these things weren't organized, we had to build them all out. And then we, if we ever got problems, it was like, you know, me ringing you saying, hey, am I going to prison, right? Whereas now it's like, I don't even speak to you, my team, just send it and you deal with it. So talk can you talk about, like, I know this is a weird question, but like the mindset of that growth as an entrepreneur, because I think that's a big thing that stopped people doing the legal is they don't want to deal with it. So they just pretend it doesn't exist and then they get smacked in the face, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, ignorance to the law isn't a defense. I sit as a judge in four cities in Salt Lake, a metropolitan area in Utah, and a lot of times people come before me and they'll say, well, I didn't know what the law was and it doesn't matter. Um, if you say, I don't," I didn't know what this speed limit was and you get pulled up for speeding it doesn't matter so ignorance doesn't really help you but the problem with it is it gets intimidating like what you said it people don't look at it not because they don't want to be compliant with the law not that they want to create legal issues it's because they're intimidated by it i remember when i got out of the clerkship my partner and i had been friends forever we started our first law practice and we went down to the secretary of state when we filed our articles of organization set up our law firm and we, we did. We were like they stamped it. We high-fived each other. We're like, great, let's start. So we didn't know where to go from there because they don't teach you that in law school. Oh, we man. went, to, you know, and we went to a friend of ours who had been practicing for forty years. Hey, what do we do now? He couldn't tell us. And so what we learned at that time is we needed to educate ourselves on on how to do things. And, and entrepreneurs, you're the same way. You get into business, you're excited, and it's great. You're going to do great. And I, I love the entrepreneurs. That's why I love this space because it's energy and people are like excited about new business opportunities and going out there and generating their and creating their own world, right? But the problem is, is that a lot of attorneys make it intimidating because they don't, they don't talk your language, right? They, they try to just use legal jargon that you may not understand. Don't let that trip you out. Just know that you can learn things. There are attorneys like myself that are out there that will give you clear, concise uh, legal advice, that, that's easy. It's not hard. It's once you know the rules, you, you're starting your own business. That's hard, right? The legal side's easy. It's just communicating that. So once you understand like how contracts work and how how uh, relationships and disclosures work, it's not hard. It's actually a pretty easy thing to do and to implement. And you shouldn't be intimidated by it, but it's it's really something that you should you know you should do. We we set up our first law firm. We went out there. We high fived each other, and then we went to meet with the managing partner of a large law firm downtown. And we asked him what he what to do. He'd been practicing for forty years. How do we do this? And he was like, "I don't know. Go talk to Bill. He's over our corporations." But he didn't know. So we realized really quick that there wasn't a lot of uh resources available. If they weren't available for us as attorneys, they weren't going to be available for entrepreneurs. So we've dedicated the last you know, 20 years of my practice of learning how to communicate things clearly to clients. So don't get intimidated. What you need is an attorney who can convey messages simply to you because the law is not hard. I mean, what you do as an entrepreneur, that's hard, but the law is not hard. This, it's pretty straightforward. It's just understanding it. And as long as you have somebody that's an able to communicate those principles clearly without getting bogged down in a whole bunch of legal terms, then you're gonna be fine. I mean it's not the, the rules are pretty clear. It's not hard to do what you're doing, just knowing the the rules and, and play by the game. And if you can yep. do that be in a good position. I mean most people ignore
1: it. They're ignorant through it. They they think I think one thing I learned too with a lot of people is, you know, because I'll make comments sometimes and they're, you know, FTC, for example, claims they're clueless and then they'll just brush it off and they'll go, well, I'm too small. I don't think it matters for me. Right. And so what what is the truth in that, you know, like in terms of FTC or just lawsuits in general? I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially under 10 mil, they just don't care, really. Some of the ones I ask because they think they're too small and it's never going to happen to them. Is that true or not?
0: That's unique. It's not the standard, but it happens all the time. So what I always tell clients is the best defense in, in any marketing your advertising practice for any business is truthful disclosure. Hey, this is what we do. This is the company we're going to do. It's not a promise and guaranteed my client that they're going to generate 10X or a million dollars in the first 90 days or whatever, because how can you force that? What well, you do is provide an excellent product and service then you provide that excellent product and service so you go to a restaurant and it says hey we're the best french restaurant in miami for example and you go and they send it's like canned caviar and you're like this is not what i then your review of that's horrible but if if every single time the social power and the proof is every single time you get a 100 people that are up there saying wow this was awesome this is exactly that what i wanted this is what they told me. I got it. It changed my life. That's powerful. Well,
1: yeah. And I think the problem is, right, is what everyone does, including, you know, people I know, is if they get 5% of clients do hit 100K a month, but that's all they say, right? And they'll just use those testimonials and they'll go, well, I do have clients. And, you know, what I obviously learned from you and we talk about my team is always not the top five. It's the average, right? What's the average achieving?
0: Yeah, because it's nine. Not- representative you've got one person that wouldn't made a million dollars in two days but nobody ever made five thousand dollars ever outside of this person and that's all you advertise that's not representative of the typical experience of your consumer um your client that that it has to mesh up with people their expectations right if somebody tells me it's going to be a porsche but it's a vw bug my expectations are off and so you you don't want to you want clear messaging and and you'll have happy clients. And that's the key to this. Happy clients make your world go round, right? It's easy. It's fun. But when you have unhappy clients, I'm dealing with a client right now, they have unhappy clients because they entered into a contract with them and it didn't fulfill the way they wanted to. And it's a big mess. And they spend more time dealing with unhappy clients than growing their business. It's a distraction. So it's just do what you say you're going to do and advertise that way and you're good
1: whoa 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 wait a second before we go into the rest of this episode i'm going to interrupt abruptly and just ask you one big favor i hope you're getting a ton of value a ton of knowledge i hope you're getting some breakthroughs from myself and the guests and i want one thing in return what i would love is for you to subscribe and leave a review the reviews and the subscription grows the podcast it allows me to bring you even better guests it allows me to invest even more time and money because i feel it is some level there's always some unhappy clients right so how do you suggest people if they start getting disputes chargebacks threats how how do you recommend people that don't have attorneys that can kind of get guidance what's the general way that they should be dealing with these unhappy clients and, and handling this where do they draw the line between just refund everyone or say hey no you didn't do this and this and this like how do you advise on that
0: yeah practically what I tell clients to do is kind of take a pulse on what these clients are saying because if you have a good group of you know all of a sudden you got a spattering of complaints and they're all the same then you need to look introspectively and see are we doing something in our marketing that's creating this impression now if it's one-offs which is generally the case with a lot of clients like you, you just you got to realize like Abraham Lincoln said you can please some of the people all the time and all the people some of the time but you can't please all the people all the time you're going to have dissatisfied clients. I do too. No matter what I do, at the end of the day, they're just pissed off. Okay, so you deal with those on one-offs. You try to resolve it, and if you can't resolve it, then my recommendation is to get rid of those clients and just move on. It, it, it's better for your business to try to do that. So I tell clients all the time is go ahead and set up some sort of reserve for those outlier clients you just can't satisfy. Now, for those of you, you've done a good job for, you've provided this service, and they're still upset, and that you have reasonable justification to kind of push back a little bit, then you explain that you're you're truthful and you communicate that to them. Hey, listen, you signed up for this, you not only really got X, you got Y and Z, and we did a really good job for you, and you should be happy with this because we did what we promised to provide, and then you stay true to that. So. Case-by-case case basis every time, I always look at that. But if you get a group all once and it all seems to be identical types of complaints, then I would look in turn. Now, if you've messed up, own it. That's one thing I want to make sure that this client all the time will come to me and like, well, yeah, we we had somebody that said the wrong thing or had ad was a mistake and it said this, but we really meant this and they just have to deal with it. No, don't do that. Own it. Because people like that integrity, right? They like it when you've made a mistake. You say, you know what? It's on us. We're going to take care of it. Right? Good. And what about
1: just last few minutes? I want to talk about all the key pillars, just real rapid fire. So uh, let's talk about quickly hiring employees. And, and I know there's obviously employment specialists, isn't, you know, tailored legal advice. But, you know, some of the things I've learned is, you know, and you can talk on these two qualifying people correctly, W 2 versus contractor, especially in America. Having good contracts for each, making sure you have all your insurances. What else is important, uh, you know, just for one minute on the employment hiring side?
0: I see the biggest dispute from employment contractor issues is exactly what you said. First, identify them properly. If you have a lot of control and means over the person, they're an employee. Especially if you're doing business in California, absolute employee, all right? Second issue is make sure that they sign some sort of non-circumvention agreement when they come in. What does that mean? They're not going to solicit your clients. They're not going to solicit, you know, your employees. They're not going to try to take intellectual property for you. Protect the assets you have so that you don't have to worry that somebody's going to take that. Because sometimes in this environment, you'll have an employee for a couple of weeks and they'll try to take things because they feel justified with it and it may harm you. Yep. Okay, great. Um,
1: And then next one I would say is like, Uh, deal structure, like contracts with clients, contracts when doing deals, especially if it becomes like bigger deals, rev share. I mean, a lot of uh, even me, I've messed that up many years ago. It'll cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars on some big deals that split because of it. what, What are some key
0: aspects there for a minute? Just make sure you have a good dispute resolution process because when you entered a contract, you want it to go well, but what I find the biggest shortfall in all this is not having a way to, to handle disputes when there's a dispute between the, the parties you enter into, right? And making sure that you've got that there. If if you're in Florida, then make sure that disputes in Florida. Don't let the consumer dictate and allow you to pull you in San Antonio and Wisconsin or, you know, Chicago or wherever. You want to be able to handle that in your own backyard. So have a good, clear dispute resolution provision. You don't want to use it. It's just in case you've got it in place. Okay, good. Next one. Um,
1: Well, actually, uh, just on that one, too, I mean, the biggest lesson I learned the hard way is actually having tailored contracts for bigger deals. Right. Because when I tried to save money, I had this like random jack of all trades attorney and, and, you know, we used a bit of a template and then it was missing everything we needed to protect ourselves when the person tried to basically kick me out after I made him half a million dollars. Um, So I learned the hard way and we couldn't really defend it when I hired a big law firm to come and defend it. They said it's going to be really hard and co- we can probably still win, but it's going to cost you 20, 30, 40, 50 grand to fight it because you're missing all these key clauses. So I, I don't know if you want to add to that, but yeah, I mean, tailored contracts for bigger deals, right?
0: Yeah, I, you never know. Like, especially if you're going to do an offer and you're going to have thousands of clients that are going to buy your offer. One little thing that I do that's tailored in there is they do like a class action, just to make sure they can't come around and turn and sue you. It's enforceable by the Supreme Court to have those waivers. And that's what you're saying. Know the provisions in your contracts. And if you don't have those, and sometimes you don't know what you don't know, and not all attorneys deal with this space with entrepreneurs, so you got to make sure whatever attorney you hire, they deal with these type of contracts because there are certain provisions I put in my contracts that that an attorney working with Coca-Cola doesn't put in his contracts. And that's important to understand, right? Because even you go to a great
1: attorney, but if they don't know this space, I've seen that with my law firm. I go like, what about this problem? And they go, well, what do you mean? I go, yeah, in my industry, this is going to happen a lot. And then they'll build a contract around it. But I think I'm a little different that I like, I really am good at fortune, like looking forward, looking at what ifs, what ifs. I've been like that my whole life. Most people aren't. So then they just trust that it's like, oh, we got everything we need. Um, and, and you really don't. And even if you are good at it, Like over a three-year period, we were updating our contracts because we'd be like, okay, we ran into these issues and we didn't have that clear in the contract. Let's add it. Okay, three months later, now we ran into this twice. Let's make sure that's crystal clear. Uh, And one of the biggest things I've learned from lots of people that have built $100 million plus businesses and attorneys is contracts, if they're good, are rarely ever needed because what they do is they set great expectations and clarity so when there is a problem, you can just go, hey, no, it says it right here. And then people generally go, okay, right?
0: So would you agree on that? 100%. The more clear the agreement is, especially these higher-end uh, deals you're going to do, then you're deterring conflicts conflict because it's clear. The both parties understand what the expectations and responsibilities are, then that's great. When you don't have clarity in contracts, like I've had clients that just throw a one-pager, do this one-page, Rick. Yeah, I can't do that. And if I did, then it wouldn't be clear enough to be able to resolve a dispute if it ever arose. And then you'd end up in court, which is way more expensive than just spending a little extra money to have the contract written correctly in the first place. Okay, good. And last question for today the
1: uh, entity structure, right? So, like, everyone should have LLCs, for example different holding companies. Can you give it like a, a very third grade level, explain how that works? Because it's very easy to do. It doesn't cost a whole ton.
0: Yeah, so I do a lot of asset protection too in my business. And So if you operate just a single business and I would recommend doing an LLC in the state where you live, gives you asset protection, gives you ability to avoid audit for taxation, allows you to t- be a little more aggressive on deductions so you can save some money in taxes. So there's a lot of benefits of having a business set up for that. If you run multiple businesses, I recommend having a holding company in uh, one of four states, Delaware, Alaska, Nevada, or, or Wyoming. Those states have predominant laws that are a little bit better than most of the other states. And then the operating company that you're engaged in would not be owned by you, but by your holding company out of that state. Now, what does that do for you? It creates distance between you and the owning and, and that operating company. So say, you're training people on how to be real estate investors. I hold a rental property in an LLC and somebody gets hurt of that rental property and I own that LLC, guess what? I'm most likely going to get sued personally in addition to the LLC that owns the rental property. But if that LLC that owns the rental property isn't owned by me, but is owned by another company in one of those four states, guess what? I'm not I'm not getting sued personally. So it's all about leveraging and making sure you're set up correctly. And so if you understand the foundation, of yep. it's not, yep. but it's pretty simple. The way I
1: explain it is like: imagine you have, uh, you're doing some sort of a business, and it's in a box, right? And then another type of business in another box. And when if that thing inside the box explodes, well, it only explodes in that one box, not your whole life. And then actually, what you eventually do is when you have several of them, you have a bigger box that all the littler boxes are in, and then you kind of like have this double layer of protection. And you should never be in those boxes as a personal person. Because once you're in the boxes, you can now get hit by the explosion. Like, so is that a somewhat accurate way of understanding
0: it? 100%. I use the term silos for you farmers that are out there. Is when you have crops, you silo it from the weather and from other crops. So the rain and the storms don't destroy your crops. So it keeps it separate. So, same for
1: Great. All right. Last question. If people are looking to, you know, have everything reviewed? Obviously, I've sent several people to you over time and, um, you know, they want to have everything reviewed or obviously maybe engage with you and work with you. How do they find you?
0: Well, I have a website and they can reach out to you and you can give them my, that's just guardianlaw.com or greg at guardianlaw.com. And you can reach out and, and ask. Yeah, I'm happy to give a free consultation. I have the attorneys that work for me and other staff members too. So how many pieces of pointers? I love entrepreneurs. So um, mostly I'm just trying to give, provide service for you know, for Meller and uh, capital on everything that you guys do because you do such a good job with it. But yeah, happy to talk to anybody that needs some guidance. And
1: we'll put those links in the show notes. And um, yeah, obviously you've been fantastic for us and anyone listening today. Um, it's like everything I always teach. It's like even if you don't need it all now or you think you don't start now because you'll build up over time, and you'll build into a good place. And what generally happens with every entrepreneur is they'll have a wake up call if they don't, where they get this big lawsuit or this big issue, and then they didn't have it. And now they have to go back and add everything, but they got stung, right? So just, you know, it's protective clothing, so you don't get stung. Or if someone tries to sting you, it doesn't impact you anywhere near the amount. Um, and, And I've learned that over the years from many people way more successful than me and from great attorneys such as Greg. So Thank you, sir. I appreciate you coming on and educating everyone on maybe not the sexiest part of business, but arguably the most important part of business because it's easy to make money. It's harder to protect that money. So thank you. And um, until next time, guys, keep living the red life. We'll see you soon. Greg, appreciate it.